Hello and welcome to the Cyber Sisters podcast. We're your Cyber Sisters, Allison and Emily, two cyber educators talking edtech pedagogy and this week, the conference Peach and So welcome, everyone. We are so excited to have you this week on this very special episode. Um, This week, we're going to be breaking from our traditional format. If you are chomping at the bit to hear a little bit more about Holly Woodard's uh, experiment with uh, Actively Learn, we are in the midst of that right now. Um, I don't want to give too much away. I love it. But (laughs) uh, we are going to be uh, talking about that in our next episode. This week, however, we are going to be focusing on Pete and C, which is a Pennsylvania conference that Emily and I are going to be both presenting at and attending um, in very, very short uh, order. Um, So I have never actually been to Pete and C, um, but Emily, you have been to Pete and C. Can you just like, for those uh, listening at home who maybe um, are not aware of this conference um, or those like me who have never actually been, can you tell us a little bit about the conference, um, sort of what it is, what to expect, um, just sort of give us a little digital download? Pete and C stands for Pennsylvania Educational Technology Expo and Conference, which is why we all call it Pete and C, because that's a mouthful. (laughs) This is especially important because I literally said to so many people um, that I was going to Pete and C over the last couple of weeks, and many, many of them have said, oh, what does that stand for? Because they know it's an acronym. (laughs) I get it wrong every single time. Like, I think Emily, like, always gets it right. I always get it wrong. (laughs) I mean, not going to lie. I went on their website to make sure I said it correctly. So (laughs) (laughs) I cheated a little bit. Um, But what it is, is ISTE, which is like the international governing, I don't even know what's governing, like the International Ed Tech Society. I think officially that's even in their title. They're like the International Society for Technology and Education. That one I know. <laughs> um, so this is Pennsylvania's version of the ISTE conference. Um, so it's put on by PAECT, which is the Pennsylvania ISTE affiliate. So all tied into ISTE, but it's Pennsylvania's version. So it's smaller um, than ISTE, if you've been at ISTE or heard about ISTE, um, but it's still a decent size, like it's big. Um, but most people are from Pennsylvania or the surrounding areas, but it does draw people from all over the country. And it's from a Sunday to a Wednesday. For the longest time, it's been held in Hershey, but for the first time ever this year, it's being held in Pittsburgh. So totally different location. So new to everybody, this will be my third year going. Um, And it gets better every year, I think, especially for as you know more and as you kind of get the lay of the land and everything. So it's going to be interesting doing it in a whole new location because just when I kind of feel like I know where everything is, know how to do it, it's all going to (laughs) change. I don't have to use my map. I know how to get to that room. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just excited that we get to go on a road trip together. I think that this is going to be some 
excellent, excellent adventuring for the two of us. Um, and I have not been to Pittsburgh in a long, long time. Like I was a child the last time that I was in Pittsburgh. So I think this is going to be um, a really exciting opportunity. Um, I am particularly excited for this conference, I think, because you and I have both had such positive experiences with other sort of educational organizations. I, both of us have um, been KTI stars. Um, both of us have um, attended the summit that is for KTI um, and have uh, also done regional activities with um, PAACT branches. And I think that these opportunities and ISTE, we, we went to ISTE together last year and we'll, um, we'll, we'll also give give some small spoilers here, be on our way to ISTE uh, this next year as well over the summer. Um, this is such a great opportunity to meet uh, really fantastic educators. And a lot of the people that we have brought onto this podcast or would like to bring onto this podcast in the future, because we've been talking a ton about season two and, you know, who we want to sort of in, invite on and who we want to um, take on as sort of mentors and coaches. Uh, are people that we met through this experience. So I am very, very excited for us to just be able to be out in the world of education um, and sort of get that boost of inspiration, especially in the middle of like deep, dark February, which is not the most inspiring time to be a teacher or to be a student um, or really just to be like a person. <laughs> Sad and real thing. Like, I swear I have seasonal affective disorder. Like, middle of February, yeah, nope. This, this is when you need it. You need some time to, like, give yourself that bolster. And, like, I have always walked away from these kind of events feeling inspired. Has that been the case for you? Yeah, oh, for sure. And even, like, even if you go to a session that you, like, I've gone to sessions thinking I'm going to get one thing out of it. And I end up getting something completely different. I, I think I've definitely had the same experience. And I think one of the things we'll, we'll eventually in this episode, <laughs> we should probably give, give our listeners a little bit of a lay of the land of this episode because it is slightly different um, than some of our other formats. Um, but I know that one of the things that I have learned going to these kind of events is to be really open to the experience that you may have one intention and get something different, but that doesn't mean that that something different is better or worse. It's just different. Um, and there are lots of opportunities that are, are out there to be to be grasped. Um, so for this episode, uh, here's sort of our, our lay of the land, the thing that we're sort of looking to talk about. Um, both Emily and I have set intentions for our, our time at Petency. These conferences that are big, that are multi-day events, like there's just so much going on and there's so many sessions. There's not even a chance that you could see and do everything. Like you cannot be everywhere at once. So you need to go in with a plan. I know I made this mistake going to ISTE over the summer. I had a loose plan. Emily had like a very direct plan. Like she is one of the most organized, like her lists have their own personal lists kind of person I have ever seen. And I was not, I was a little more loosey goosey. Like I, I was looking to see where the experience took me and that, that bit me like on day, like two or three, 
Well, I was like frantically scrambling to like find sessions a couple of times. Um, so I'm going to come in with a much bigger plan. Um, I also was just at a training that had to do with like educator mindfulness. So I'm very much in a kind of Zen intentional kind of place for this episode. So we both set some intentions, some goals that we're looking to get out of the conferences. We'd love to share this with you. We also want to talk about the sessions that we are presenting because I think the process of being a presenter can be one that is a little bit stressful. Um, and for maybe listeners out there who are also going to be presenting for the first time or considering presenting, this would be a great opportunity to sort of chat about that. And finally, we each have two tips um, for attending uh, conferences, uh, things that we're going to be thinking about as we get ready. So with further, uh, without further ado, um, Emily, what is your intention for Pete and C this time around? What are you sort of going in, looking for, trying to get out of this experience? Well, <laughs> my first goal is always my goal. Um, I'm always looking for history specific sessions, mainly because generally speaking, there's not many of them. Um, so that's kind of like half a goal, mainly because I know that there's not very many of them. Um, I did look through the program and there does seem like there are more than in previous years, um, but there's still only a handful. Um, so I'm definitely going to try to make some of those. Um, and obviously, does it pertain to me? Um, I also am 90% sure <laughs> that our curriculum is changing for next year. So I'm also looking for sessions that kind of are geared towards that a little bit. Um, I've also been hearing a lot about something called edu protocols. That's literally all I know. <laughs> um, so like it's been piquing my interest as I've seen people like posting about them on Twitter and stuff. So I'm it's something that I'm like interested in. But again, I'm not sure if there's going to be any sessions. I haven't dug enough into like what it is to have a base of it to kind of look for sessions. But that's kind of like the new thing that I'm like, I kind of want to learn some more about it. But I'm not sure if there's going to be sessions on that at all. Um, and the third thing I'm kind of looking for are things with a Microsoft focus, because I know that we're, we're shifting in that direction. So if there are any sessions on that, um, I'm definitely going to hit those. Um, so what I do when I go to one of these, I usually have those like, I'll have those three things in mind. So I'll pick sessions that those are the big things. And then if I have any like holes in the schedule, I'll look and see what I want to fill them with. So then in the back of my mind, I always look for things with like engagement or reading in the content areas or writing in the content areas, things like that to kind of fill in my gaps. So how about you? What are you looking for? I just want to take a minute to point out though, <laughs> how well Emily just demonstrated that she is like the most organized person. Like she really goes through all of the sessions and like by the time you, I, I will see this in person, but I, I saw it with ISTE, like she'll have a list and like all these different sessions and it's all beautifully organized. Um, I am hoping to be like Emily this time that I go and hopefully we'll have um, a little bit of a less overwhelming experience that I've had in the past. Um, for me, I feel like there are two big things that I'm interested in this time around. Um, the last couple of educational 
um, conference uh, professional development opportunities I've taken, I've been very, very focused on gamification, which is still something that I love and is great. I've made video game references on so many episodes of this podcast already, but I also feel like I'm kind of in the trenches a little bit with gamification. I've finished gamifying my first unit this year, um, which was that like house cup model. And now I'm in the process of planning my second gamification unit, which is going to be a badging unit. And so I think I'm sort of in this place where I don't want too much more input on that subject just because I'm learning and I'm trying things and I kind of want to learn from mistakes and, and experiences and all that kind of stuff. I'm also presenting on both, uh, two, two of my presentations are going to be on gamification topics. So I'm looking in terms of sessions for things that are focused on reading and writing um, that will hopefully help me to become a little bit more effective um, as a cyber educator. I've got like really monumental systems. I think Emily has made the, the, the joke a couple of times, right, that I have my like Google system of doom um, that is how I do writing with the kids. And um, I've really been thinking a lot about, well, we'll touch on this so much more in our Actively Learn wrap up, I'm sure. But between Actively Learn and Nearpod, um, I've got like the way that I do sort of reading. But what I'm hoping to find are sessions that will focus on things like, um, you know, little ways to like do feedback better or to conference better or to those little hacks that will kind of grease the wheels of those reading and writing experiences, especially um, that I feel are applicable to the cyber setting. So that's kind of what I'm looking for in terms of, of sessions that I'm looking to attend. Like I'm really looking to like fall into my inner ELA teacher and just like live with reading and writing for a while. And very specifically, I'm looking for Seesaw. Um, our school has a great Seesaw account Many of the educators that I know have used it. I have not <laughs> because I believe on the last episode I was, was the one where I revealed my uh, great concern of introducing a new program in the middle of the year and um, sort of messing up the kids in, in some capacity. Um, but I, I'm looking for, you know, how can I be using Seesaw? What are some great things to do there? Um, if you're listening to this episode and you have suggestions, please, you know, leave those in the comments for sure, um, because I'm really interested in using um, this platform and sort of playing with this platform and, and seeing what it can do. So those are, are kind of the big things in terms of sessions. I also have an intention, though, in terms of my relationship to the conference. I think I mentioned earlier in this episode that I've was just at um, a training that really focused on um, mindfulness and really focused on educator relationships to stress and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I took a lot away from that experience personally. And so I think one of the things that I'm really trying to focus on at this conference is actively listening and being really present with my fellow educators. Because one of the great things that I think has come out of this podcast that has come out of a lot of these professional development opportunities are the connections that I've had the opportunity to make and how good that is for both my educator well-being, but also for my ability to bring resources to my students. So I think there can be a tendency sometimes to just focus like 
zero in on the presenter um, and what they have to say. But I think there's a lot to be learned from like the person sitting next to you or the person that you're in line with or the, the person that you just sort of encounter that happens to teach your subject or not teach your subject. Um, so trying to really be present with with everyone else as well is something I'm, I'm thinking a lot about. Yeah, we used to um, say that. And I think we're going to talk more a little bit more about this when we uh, get when we start talking about the tips. But um, when we were at Hershey, we always used to say, um, because it was at the, uh, the Hershey Lodge, they have this great fireplace. And we always used to say, like, those fireplace conversations are just as important as the ones that are, that you listen to in the sessions. Because you never, you don't know who you're talking to. Like, you can learn just as much from the person who you're chatting to by the fireplace as from a presenter. I think that's so like, I love that a fireplace conversation, right? Like it's beautiful and it's aesthetic. And like, maybe there won't be fireplaces <laughs> this, this time around. I have no idea what this conference center is going to look like or what these hotels are going to look like or anything like that. Um, but I, I think keeping, keeping that like the glow of the fireplace and the camaraderie and, you know, all that kind of stuff in mind as we're moving forward, I think is, is going to be really good. Um, so we are planning, I, I think this is a good place to mention that we are planning a wrap up episode to this episode. Um, it will be after we do the rep, uh, wrap up episode for Actively Learn. Um, so it, it's a little bit of an interesting structure for like the next like month. <laughs> And then, then we're sort of back to our regularly scheduled programs in terms of what our what our episodes will look like. Um, but we're going to be talking about um, what we find in relationship to these intentions. So if, you know, we'll let you know how all of this goes. But speaking of presentations, um, this is probably a good moment for us to transition and start talking about the presenting that we're doing, because both of us have now had the experience of being a presenter at a conference. I still feel generally speaking, very, very new um, to the process of being a speaker, right? And sort of traveling around and doing these things. But I have greatly, greatly enjoyed the the process of doing a lot of this kind of stuff. Emily, you do it all the time <laughs> and are very, very good at this. Um, so I wonder, do you want to take a quick second just to tell me a little bit about um, the two sessions that you're going to be doing? Um, and what has your preparation process looked like for um, preparing these two presentations. Yeah. I mean, I still feel relatively new too. I think you're giving me more credit, um, but so I'm doing two presentations. So this is actually the first time that I'm doing what I call a real presentation, but everybody always yells at me for, um, so last year when I was at Pete, I presented for the first time at, um, and it was a poster session. Definitely what a poster session is oh yeah so a poster session is when you stand you make like think about it like those old school science fair awards like the trifold boards um and you basically you stand with your trifold science fair board for i think it's a two-hour block um and then people just come and talk to you about what's on your board so what was, I think, oh, mine was about writing in the content area last year. Um, so, and that was good, but I honestly, I was kind of bummed because, because it's such a long chunk of time, you miss a lot of sessions. 
Um, so it was a great way to like get my foot in the door and practice presenting almost. But it, and it's a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations with people, which is good because you get to know a lot of people, you get to talk to people, um, and you probably do get to talk to more people. Um, but I wanted to do something that was shorter. <laughs> um, so this year I am doing two sessions. My first session is called You Can Do What with Google Slides. Um, and this one is kind of an ironic presentation for me to presenting because we don't, <laughs> our kids don't have Google accounts. Um, but the whole reason I started this um, presentation is because I did this way cool virtual archaeology dig and I did it all using Google Slides. And I was like, this is so cool. My kids love it. It's like really unique and innovative. I want to present it. So <laughs> I had to basically build an hour long presentation around one thing that I did, <laughs> which is probably like the wrong way to go about building a conference proposal. But I feel like we've all like in, in teacher world, we've all had that moment where we didn't backwards design a lesson. So I feel like it's okay that like one of your conferences wasn't backwards design. And the, the thing about this one in particular, this is not your first time giving this presentation like you've done this one before correct uh yeah so uh this is my second time doing this one the first time i did it was actually at kti this summer um and i did it with someone else um and i actually i reached out to him because he added a couple slides to it that i wanted to use one mainly because one of them is a really cool gif that <laughs> demonstrates how to do something so I was like, hey, John, can I keep this GIF in? <laughs> and he gave me permission. So it's in there. Um, so this this is kind of the first time I'm doing it solo, quote unquote. Um, he basically, he took what I had and just added a couple things to it. Um, so, and I did do, I did a shorter version of it for an ISTE pre-conference session. Um, but there weren't that many people at the ISTE pre-conference session. So I did it for like five people um, <laughs> then. So it's definitely been tweaked since the very first time I did it. Um, so that's Monday. I'm a little nervous about that one because it's Monday morning and it's right after Matt Miller's keynote. And if you know anything about Matt Miller, Matt Miller is like, the Google Slides guru. So, <laughs> it's like, this could be terrible. <laughs> no, this is great. Are you kidding me? I think that like, that's, that's a perfect placement for you. And here's he, like, hear me out when I say this. If you're, I think one, you may stand out, right? Because you're coming after someone who's probably going to do a lot of mentioning of Google and Google products. Like if you want to learn more, um, I am sure that you're, uh, just because I know you and I know your presentations and I know what your stuff looks like, it's going to be really good and really accessible. Um, so if there's someone who's like, man, he talked about these really cool things. Because um, I, do we even know what the topic is for the keynote? Uh, like, is that something we know? Yes. It is a thing we know. It's called the art and science of measurable, of memorable teaching. Ooh, see, so this is great. 
his presentation is the art and science of memorable teaching. And then you're going to have a really like accessible example right after him, ready to go. Um, and you may learn things about, because one of the things that I have tried to think about as I've been working on these presentations is that these are things that can grow and evolve with time. You may learn from him something about how he presented or, you know, some of the, the sort of structural stuff that can eventually be folded into how you think about your own presentations, especially around this, around Google. So I, I think it's always intimidating when you're next to someone who's been doing something a really, really long time because there's that comparison, but he's, he's been doing this a while, you know? And so I think getting to look at his path and say, oh, you know, this is a well tread path. There's stuff that I can follow here is, is a good use of your time. So I think this is great. Yeah, so that's the one that I'm more nervous about because I'm like, oh, this could either be really good or it could be really bad. <laughs> the other thing is also that generally um, sometimes they, um, they'll they do like book signings and stuff. Um, and he has a ton of books. I actually own one of his books. Um, so I was like, so also nobody could be in my session because they all could be waiting to sign his, to get their book signed. Um <laughs> But so that's Monday morning. And then Tuesday afternoon is when um, we have our using Nearpod to differentiate instruction, which is a mouthful. Um, (laughs) We should have thought about that. (laughs) We should have thought about that. Um, That's the session that we are doing together. So anybody who's going to be there, come to our session. Um, That's Tuesday afternoon. Um, and this is our, the second time we've done it? Sort of. I, I guess we've only done it once, but it was a poster session, right? Like we did, this is what we did at ISTE, um, was that we went and we had, um, it, it wasn't like a trifold, like we had like a, this huge board thing and it was like crazy to like construct and deconstruct yeah. day of um but that that's what we did was we we split it up and so Emily had this really cool like demo immersion experience that she built especially for people who weren't familiar with Nearpod and then I had all of these like different differentiation techniques that were based on the immersive experience so it was like this is what you learned. This is what it could look like and how you could apply it in different situations. So we had to take that and turn it into an actual presentation that is like an hour sit down, though it's still interactive. Yeah. So and that one, I have done versions of, I've actually presented more on Nearpod than I have on anything else. Um, Emily's kind of an expert. I've done, I've done versions of Nearpod at a couple other conferences. So that one, that's Tuesday afternoon. And I'm excited for that one. I think that one will be good. I think it'll be great. If for nothing more, I feel like we present really well together. Um, and you, you know, this product like inside and out, like if I was doing this by myself, <laughs> I would be like, what if I don't know a question that they have? Like, I am not concerned at all that there is a, a single question that, you know, won't be able to be answered about what we're presenting um, because she she knows this stuff inside and out. So I'm I'm really excited for us to be able to show this to people because I do think that genuinely Nearpod is a really 
flexible product. We do both use it in our classrooms. And we have like last year you were teaching advanced students with it, like a, a gifted program kind of thing. And I was teaching essentially a remedial class with it. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a ton of flexibility in terms of how you can use it to really make differentiation something that doesn't have to be this huge burden on, on you as a teacher. So I think that'll be a ton of fun. Yeah. So I'm excited for that one. So how about you have two of your own, right? I do. So the two that I am doing are, are also, so Emily and I have our group presentation and then I have one other group presentation, which is also on Tuesday afternoon. Um, they are actually back-to-back -back sessions. So I'm going to be very tired, but like also very happy and excited. Um, and it is with uh, my organization, Gamify Ed, that came out of the wonder group that I met at KTI Summit last year. That is a lot of letters. <laughs> okay, Allison, and do you want to explain what the what you did, like what is your wonder group? Absolutely. So while we were at the KTI Summit, one of the things that we did was something called a wondering. Um, and it was a fabulous experience. What it basically involved was everyone who was there was kind of there for a reason. And we had to write on a piece of paper something about what we were wondering about or what problems we were sort of trying to solve or, or what we sort of hoped to get out of the conference. And then we were grouped together by our wonder. So I was grouped with a bunch of people who were thinking about education um, and gamification sort of together and how to make it work in our classrooms, which were all very drastically like different environments, but how could we all make it work? Now we were very lucky because the keynote speaker of that conference uh, turned out to be John Meehan, and he is like a gamification expert, and we all read his book and thought it was wonderful. So major, major shout out to John. <laughs> um, and we decided that what sort of what happens in the course of your wondering is you get this time to work together to wonder, right, to think about things. And you're, you come up with a project by the end of it, and it can look super different, right? Our wonder turned into um, Gamify Ed, which was basically a book study group for educators. And in the fall, we led a book study on Boxer um, that was basically reading a chapter of John's book every single week and talking about the discussion questions in Boxer. And it was a really, really wonderful um, experience for us working together. And also that allowed us to sort of keep in touch as we were trying new things in our classroom in terms of gamification. And so it wasn't just, you know, the the leaderboard, that's sort of what we're called the, for like original wonderers. Um, mm -hmm. But it was also all the people who were in the Boxer, Emily was one of them, who were trying new things sort of all together um, or just sort of wondering there with us about how that could be um, sort of used in your classroom. Because I don't think you had done too much gamification before our gamification episode, correct, Emily? Correct. That was part of how I pulled you in and said we should do this for, a, for yeah. an episode. <laughs> Yes, that is correct. So it was a wonderful experience. I'm really excited to meet back up with everyone. And it's an interactive session. So that's also going to be cool. So what we've tried to do is create levels. Because one of the things that we really received from being in the Voxer and talking to other teachers about gamification is that when you're implementing this in your school, like you could be really lucky and there's like many other teachers doing this or you could be there being an, in an unfortunate situation where you're the only one who's doing it. And maybe you've been doing, um, you know, 
breakouts or something like that for a while, but you want to take it to the next level. So everybody's kind of coming in in different places. And so we've created different levels to the actual presentation so that you can kind of come in and get materials and resources um, and an experience that suits your particular needs. It's very differentiated um, and I think it's going to be a blast. People should definitely come and hang out. Um, I will also be doing another session that is also on um, gamification as well. That one is Tuesday morning. So I'm going to be talking a lot on Tuesday. <laughs> I'm like just realizing I need to make sure that I have a water bottle <laughs> and like a bunch of throat lozenges for Tuesday. Um, and that is Tuesday morning though. And my session is what game developers know about motivation. I have done this one before though. I have tweaked it heavily um, for this, present, uh, this presentation uh, time. Um, so that session is all about Bartle's taxonomy in the classroom. And uh, Bartle's taxonomy is a way of classifying types of players. Because one of the things that I consistently hear when I talk to um, teachers, especially about how they're implementing gamification into their classrooms, is that they're like, well, I tried this game, but it didn't motivate all my players. Um, and for me, I, I have, like I have, I think mentioned before on this podcast, I do a lot of gaming in sort of my personal life. Um, and I know a lot of people who are very interested in game development and who have, you know, created their own games and have done a lot of that kind of stuff. And so I have spoken with a lot of people about, um, that process, right. Of, of trying to balance a game and design a game and thinking about a game that will engage lots of people. And Bartle's taxonomy has been a part of that. And that was actually sort of the first thing that got me into gamification was I knew about that from, you know, play testing like a game with my friends <laughs> that like one of them had built. Um, and I was really um, excited to think about, oh, wait, why don't I use this for motivation in the classroom? So I've been sort of testing and playing with this concept um, over the last like two years in my class. And that's one of the things that's important about the session is that it is um, definitely about using Bartle's taxonomy to motivate, you know, students in a gamification setting. But it's also about using that taxonomy as a way to think about any kind of activity in your classroom, right? So any time that you're trying to get students to be active or to be motivated, how can we use these same principles? Um, and the first time that I did this presentation, I was doing it with a group of educators that I wasn't sure were bought into the concept of the classroom is already a game space, sort of like the game of life, the game of school. And so I really had a large section at the beginning that was about that buy-in. I had a lot of um, educators talk to me before I was about to give that talk that they gave me a lot of pushback in terms of, well, don't students game enough? Like why, what, what can we really learn from games? Like, don't they do this enough in their personal life? You know, all that kind of stuff. So I knew that I had to address that. I don't really feel like I have to do that in this audience. Like I have never encountered anyone <laughs> in like the ed tech community who was like, oh, games. Yeah. Like we don't care about those. Like everyone cares about right. games in, in this world. Um, so I feel like I can go right to the meat, like right to the good stuff and, and get more detailed. Um, and I built a tool that I'm like nervous about, but I'm also excited for, which will help teachers to classify their students slash players into the different types. So I've been working a lot on that and working a lot on making sure that it's like 
ready to give to people as part of the session. Um, so it's been an interesting development process because technically both of these sessions um, or all of these sessions, I guess not the game if I had one, but like the one I'm doing with Emily and also this one are sessions that I've done before, but I'm doing them very differently this time. Um, and I sort of the same thing with Game Fied. I'm, I'm talking about stuff that I do in my classroom, but I'm going to be doing it in a very different format. So I think this is like a great example of every time <laughs> I hear someone say, oh, you're a teacher. You already wrote all your lesson plans. You don't have to change anything. Like, um, you know, even when you're a speaker, like doing professional speaking stuff, like you're always tweaking and changing and things are different. So <laughs> I'm, but I'm super pumped and super excited. And I think you brought up something else while you were in there too. And I didn't want to interrupt you mid thought, um, but you said this close to the beginning. So sorry. Um, that when you were talking about your, what game developers know about motivation, that these are things that you use in your classroom. Um, yes. and I think that's really important that I know we both do this. And honestly, I think every session I've ever been to, um, has been everybody presents on things that they know. They're all things that they have tried in their classroom and things that they have worked and done. Um, and that's actually when I went to Pete and C for the very first time um, and I had to get approval to go um, because that's the other thing. So it costs money to go to Pete and C if you're not presenting. Um, PNC does this great thing where if you're presenting, you get to go for free. Not every conference does that, but that's one of the things I love about PNC is they provide free registration for their presenters. Um, and I think that's so great, but if you're not presenting, you have to pay to go. So when I went for the first time and I was trying to get approval, um, my principal at the time was like, yes, you can go, but you have to share what you bring back. And I was like, well, of course, obviously, duh, I'm going to share the cool things I learned. Um, but I said one caveat, I want to try what I learned first, because as you know, sometimes we have to tweak things that we learn. Like I can learn about this cool new strategy and I love it, but I have to figure out how to translate it to our cyber world. And she was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Because sometimes not everybody takes that step when they come back to do that translation. They're just like, oh, hey, I learned this new strategy. 100%, I'm like, well, absolutely. Great. How, how are we supposed to implement that strategy? <laughs> Let's translate it. Um, but that being said, I have walked away from PNC every single time with, I'm gonna say at least one, but in reality, many things that honestly I could implement the next day. So everybody is so willing to give resources and they're all things that they have tried and succeeded with in their own classroom, which I think is so important. Absolutely. I, I think that there is a bit of an influencer culture sort of out there in society. And one of the things that I desperately appreciate is that when you go into these spaces, like nobody's out for like a second level game here. Nobody's hustling to like, be, you know, really become like an influencer or something like that. Like these are just teachers who are doing amazing things and they want to give 
everything that they have in terms of resources to you too. Um, I remember my, my student teaching placement teacher um, saying, what is the first rule of education? And I was like, oh, I got nothing. Cause I was like a baby teacher at that point, very intimidated to be in like a room full of 11th graders. And she was like, steal ruthlessly. That is the most important thing you can learn um, because there is years and years and years of wisdom in the conversations that you have with other educators and everyone is always giving and taking and sharing and tweaking and messing and doing all that kind of stuff. Um, and it has been really wonderful to be doing it in an ed tech space because everything that, that Emily and I do is ed tech based. And so this is a place where there are people that really have resources for us. Um, in terms of making us better educators and really putting us on the cutting edge of what's happening out there um, in the world. So this is a great space for just really like great, solid, actionable pedagogy, but also like really generous people who just want to see, you know, you succeed and your students succeed and like everybody's students in Pennsylvania succeed. And speaking of success, if you would like to be successful uh, going to a conference, whether it is Pete and C um, or another local conference in your area, um, or just sort of any professional development experience, um, Emily and I have put together our little list <laughs> of uh, it's four things total. So we each picked two tips that we're going to give um, from our experiences, things that we have learned um, about sort of getting the most out of these two experiences. So Emily, do you want to give your first tip for how someone can uh, really uh, enjoy and embrace their petency or other conference experience? <laughs> yeah. So my tip actually goes with something we've already talked about. Some of these tie back to other things we've talked about. Um, when you pick your sessions, I do recommend picking your sessions in advance. Um, so you're not just kind of wandering around aimlessly. Um, but the one thing they do is they say it's because of fire code. I don't know if that's true or not. Probably is. Um, but once the room is full, like the room is full, they only take the number of people for seats that they have. Um, so sometimes you will end up to a room and the room is full and you can't go to the session you want to. So have backups planned. Um, and the other thing is sometimes, and especially for us this year with it being in a new location, um, the room might not be where you think it is. So maybe you think you pick a room that's, oh, that's right next door. And it's actually like all the way across the convention center and you get stopped talking to some, somebody in the hall and you have this great conversation. And then you're like, oh, I have two minutes to get to the session and it's all the way across the convention center there's no way I'm going to make it. So you can pick something else. Um, Pete and C, and I think most conferences now do have an app. Um, so use that app because it really helps you. You can just pull it up quickly and all of your sessions will be in one spot and you can filter them by different things and sort them and be able to easily like see what you favorited and all of that good stuff. I did, I heard a rumor I'm not sure if this is true, but I heard it from a pretty reliable source um, that they're not, we're not getting paper copies of the program this year. So you want to make sure that you use the app because that's where all of the sessions will be. And then 
you can just favorite it and pick it. Um, so that app will be helpful to find maps and all of that good stuff. So highly recommend the app and picking some backup sessions. I think I usually, I think I usually do two or three, um, depends on the session. Um, just so that way then I have, I have a couple options and sometimes, sometimes I'll also like after I go to Monday and I see what I hit on Monday, I might change some of my Tuesday sessions based on what happened on Monday too. So with the app, it's easy to like add and change sessions later. I think that is a really great tip. Like I said, I had, I got very burned, I think by ISTE. <laughs> I got like burned out there. Um, so I, Emily's points absolutely are very salient. Um, you know, make sure that you are organized because if you're not organized, you may end up going to some like really great sessions. But what I have kind of enjoyed is almost like picking a topic and going to like a bunch of things on those topics and feeling like I left almost having taken a class on that thing, just because there's so much rich material brought in by so many different perspectives. Um, so I absolutely important points. My tip uh, or my first tip um, is one that I feel like everybody knows. And yet I think that I'm a pretty <laughs> smart person. I did not do this when I went to ISTE and it was not great, which is to take care of yourself physically. Like these are not super formal spaces. Wear your sneakers, wear things that are comfy, bring your layers, make sure that if you're bringing like things to carry that your shoulder isn't going to be super uncomfortable, make sure you have snacks, have your water bottle. Um, the thing that I ended up really needing at ISTE that I was not expecting to need is that I occasionally get very, very anxious, especially when I feel like I have to be um, quote unquote on for long periods of time. Um, this podcast may not be like the best indicator of it, but it, I am an introvert. So I really need time to like recharge. And when you're at a conference that is four days long and it's just you and people and you know, a ton of thinking about your job and a ton of thinking about how you can implement things and getting excited. It's really easy to like cross that line a little bit from excited and inspired and like caught up in the moment to like a little anxious and a little like burnt out. So I also recommend bringing whatever things you need for like taking a little bit of like a break, like a little self-soothe. One of the best things that I did at ISTE was I took um, an hour on like the last three days where I was just like off. Like I didn't go to a session. Um, I went to like seven, right? Like over the course of a day. So, you know, taking, you know, that eighth section off, like wasn't terrible. Um, and I just like went and sat somewhere that was like relatively quiet, um, and put in some headphones and like listen to some music and played a game on my phone. And you know what? That got me in a space, like a headspace, where I could go back in and really engage with people and really engage with um, the stuff that I was learning. So whatever you need, if that's headphones, if it's, you know, I just want to be able to like text the person that I love or send pictures to my family or like whatever things that are going to kind of give you 
a little bit of space so that you can engage properly. If you need it, you may be one of those people who's like, I just live for these kind of experiences and I don't need any rest. <laughs> I am not that person though. Um, so I, I'm going to make sure that I have some of those things available for me to take a little bit of a break. Yeah. And I think like snacks too, because sometimes you, you get caught up and like maybe you end up not having enough time to run and grab something for lunch or whatever. Um, so making sure that you have, um, something to eat <laughs> in case. It's super important. Blood sugar crashes yeah. are real, man. Like it's, it's a thing. It is absolutely a thing. <laughs> so Emily, what is your second suggestion for people? Attending? Yeah. So my second suggestion is actually both for people attending and for people not attending, um, is to get on Twitter. You can follow the hashtag on Twitter. I just keep, I use TweetDeck. I think there are other things out there. Somebody introduced me to TweetDeck and I just haven't strayed because once I learned how to use it, I kept it. Um, so you can follow the hashtag on Twitter. Um, Pete and C's hashtag is hashtag Pete and C, P-E-T-E-A-N-D-C, all one word like hashtags are. Um, some of the bigger con conferences will also have a hashtag that's hashtag not at whatever the conference hashtag is. I don't think Pete and C is big enough to have that one going. Um, but even if you're not at the conference, you can still follow the hashtag and you can see what everybody is tweeting out. Um, and a lot of times people will tweet out resources, um, even just like, I picked up this cool tip at the session or they'll tweet out like a picture of somebody's slide and be like, great tip or something. Um, and because again, people share, like, it's not like this is some big, deep secret. Um, <laughs> so by following the hashtag on Twitter, you can still learn stuff, even if you can't make it or following it later means that you can pick up on things that you miss because let's be honest, there's like 20 plus sessions happening at the same time. You can't be in 20 places at once. Um, and sometimes there are sessions that are happening at the same time and you're like, Oh, I want to be in three sessions. They're all sound amazing. Um, so you can check the hashtag and you can look for tweets from those other sessions. Um, Pete and C also has a virtual option. Um, so maybe you want to register for the virtual Pete and C, um, and they record everybody's sessions. Um, as long as the presenter says it's okay, the presenter has to sign off on it. Um, so I think we signed off we on did. all of ours. Yeah. Well, at least you and I did. And I signed off on my other one. Um, so that's an option too. Um, kind of a little bit off of the Twitter train here. Um, but, and then just connect with people while you're there. Like everybody will ask you, what's your Twitter, Twitter handle? Are you on Twitter? Let's follow each other. Um, those random people that you meet. So if you're not on Twitter, get on Twitter before the conference and then follow the hashtag. And I'm assuming because it's been that way in the past. So spoiler alert, Allison. Heads up. Prize control I'm ready. will probably be at <gasps> PC. Um, 
and you need to be present to win. So sometimes they'll like tweet out things for you to know to be at the right place. And um, there might also be a special KTI prize patrol that happens. I think they did that last year. Don't remember. Um, so watching the hashtag for like the things that Pete and C pushes out too um, is always, always a good idea. I am so excited for the potential of Prize Patrol. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Not that I won anything the previous two years, but no. <laughs> <laughs> but there's the opportunity, right? Like there's the opportunity for a prize. It's very motivating. No, that's awesome. That's once again very, very good tip. I I think oh God, one of one of the like first conferences that you and I went to, I did not get on Twitter. And I deeply regretted that because I did not realize that everyone in ed tech just like got together one day and was like, Twitter, Twitter's where we do our stuff. Like <laughs> this is the place. Um, and actually that's going to kind of like nicely roll into my like wrap up idea, which piggybacks a little bit on, on what Emily talked about, which was about making connections and following up on those connections. I think that once again, I can tend to be in these situations like a little more introverted. And so if I go to a conference with a group of people, you may be going with people from your school. Um, there's a little bit of a tendency to do things all together. And while that is a wonderful thing, I love when Emily and I both go to the same, con like actual same session. I'm going to know a ton of people um, at Pete and C this time around, if for nothing more than Gamify Ed will be there and a bunch of the people from um, our uh, podcast interviews will be there. Um, I'm excited to see those people and to actually attend sessions with them and sort of have them as discussion partners. But it's important to like strike out on your own a little bit. And that's where having an intention, I think, is so important. You need to understand what you're there to get out of it. Because if not, these are the kind of environments where it's just so big and there's so much happening that it, it you could end up at a bunch of really interesting sessions that you're not able to take back and do anything like really actionable with. Like you're feeling really fired up, um, but like, what did you actually take from it? So making sure that you are willing to like go out on your own and really get the experience that you want to have, even if that means like you have to break off from the group a little bit, it's okay. You'll find them at the next meal or a different session or whatever. Um, and talk to new people because I can't tell you how many people I met at ISTE or at KTI that I didn't know that well at the time. Like we maybe had a quick conversation. We exchanged, um, you know, Twitter handles, or I went to one session with them um, on Twitter and by having that space, now I go into my Twitter and it's like, I know it's not the happiest of places in terms of social media, but for me, like it, it's really lovely, right? It's just full of educators and it's like 10 minutes of PD in my day, sort of scrolling through, looking at what these people are doing. Um, and for the most part, everyone who comes to these sorts of spaces are people who want to be better teachers, who are doing really interesting things in their own right um, in their classrooms. And so following them or continuing to keep in touch um, are really, really great ways to 
keep yourself sort of like accountable to the things that you learned. So if there's someone who was doing something really cool that you want to implement, like follow them and keep that in the back of your mind because you may not actually implement that next week, but because you've had it in the back of your mind when the opportunity comes up in a month and a half to do a lesson that's really cool based on something that you saw or to use a particular technique, you have that. And, and this is crazy people, you can like tweet it at them and be like, hey, I learned this cool thing from you and I really appreciate it. Um, and for the most part, people tweet you back. It's great. <laughs> um, so I think use this as an opportunity to build communities in education that are outside of your building, which I building communities are super important. And I think it, it's absolutely something that is worth cultivating and working on. But I also think sometimes you need to have communities that are outside of your building too, because that's what brings fresh ideas into your ecosystem, right? That's what brings in new thoughts and new energy um, and sort of keeps that collaboration uh, alive. And if you are somebody who is feeling like you are in a building where maybe you don't have a community or maybe the culture in your building isn't the strongest or you're, if you've read that article, you feel like you're surrounded by walnut trees and not marigolds. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. I was about to say, I have not read this article, so we should definitely link to it in the show notes. <laughs> link to it because it's a good one. So if you feel like you're surrounded by walnut trees, this is a good spot to find your marigolds. Um, because if you feel like you don't have those people, this is where you can find them. Um, and I'm going to throw in a bonus tip that I just thought while Allison was talking. Um, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy. Bring chargers. And if you have one of those like external phone chargers, that's like a brick thing. If you know what I'm talking about, like the little handheld carried ones that you you charge up. I don't know what they're actually called. Um, it's like external batteries. Yeah. Yes. Like one of those external battery charger things for your phone. Bring those um, because you don't want a dead cell phone because realistically you're going to be using it to tweet and take pictures and text your friends for where to meet for lunch or for dinner or after the session when you split to go to two different sessions. Um, so don't forget to bring those external chargers excuse me, external chargers for your phone. I think that is the perfect thing to wrap up on because that is both a very practical tip and was also super, super um, important. So I hope that you guys enjoyed. I know this is a little bit of a different format than what we normally do, um, but we really thought it was important on this podcast to be, you know, sort of very transparent about um, all the things that we're doing in education to make ourselves better teachers, right? And taking on coaches is one of them, um, but also going and finding opportunities for professional development and almost finding um, kind of mini coaches, right? In in all of these sessions that we go to and the people that we talk to um, are, it is something that has been very beneficial to us as well. And so we wanted to sort of catalog and, and record that as part of the podcast experience as well. So um, thank you so much for joining us on our Cyber Sisters episode this week. Um, we will be back on Tuesday, March 10th. There is kind of a weird thing where there's too many weeks in between. So it's going to be three weeks instead of two weeks. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, and that is going to be our wrap up discussion for actively learn. And I am just like 
already chomping at the bit to do that wrap up episode um, because I just have so much to say about Actively Learn and Emily, I know that you do as well. Um, in the meantime, please keep in touch with our socials. We're on Twitter at, at Allison K Teaches and at Sattler Cyber. I'm sure we will be using it liberally during Pete and C. Um, please also comment, like, comment, and subscribe. We always appreciate keeping the conversation going. Have a great week, friends, and keep trying.